to Live Prayer. I am Bill Keller. It's good to be with you on this Thursday evening. I pray you had a wonderful day. It's good to be back together once again for a big night of Live Prayer. If you're new to the program, you are watching Live Prayer. We come to you live in living color every Monday through Friday from 11 to midnight Eastern Eastern Standard Time. I know it's good to do that. Eastern Standard Time. And wherever you may be watching me tonight, all throughout this great land of ours, from sea to shining sea, from border to border, thank you for tuning in. Friends and other far-off great lands, welcome to you as well. Once again, I'm Bill Keller, founder of LivePeer.com, world's largest interactive Christian website. Reach a little over two and a half million folks each and every day via the internet. Please check us out online. Web address coming up on your screen, LivePeer.com, LivePeer.com. So I pray you had a good day today. It's good to be with you as we're winding through another week. We've got a lot of really important things to talk about tonight. Well, we do every night, but uh, we've got some real important information for you tonight. So uh, sit back and uh, enjoy this program and just soak it all in, right? Four things I should do for me each night of the program. First, pray for me and the program. I appreciate that. I really do. Second, of course, share the daily devotional with people you know. Encourage them to sign up. It's free like everything at Live Prayer. It's our main ministry tool. I've written it every morning since we began Live Prayer over 24 years ago. It goes out every morning by email. All they have to do is go to our homepage, upper right-hand corner, click on the sign-up link. There is a couple pieces of information they need to put in. Very simple process, and they'll start getting it in their email each morning. Third, of course, is the TV program. No TV budget, but you know we've been doing this now on streaming for five years as of Thanksgiving. A week ago tonight, and every month since we started, that would be, what, 60 months ago, we've had an increase in viewership each and every month. And that's only happened because friends like you tell people about the program, please continue to do so. And of course, last of all, as we wind down the last month of this year, if this program, if this ministry has been a blessing to you and your family, please pray about a year-end gift to live prayer. As you know, if you go to our website, we don't sell things. Don't sell books. Don't sell trinkets. We don't do concerts. We don't do crusades. We don't do cruises. We don't do any of those things. We're a ministry. And God has given us this incredible resource here at LivePrayer.com to be able to reach millions of people every day without ever having to get on a plane and fly somewhere. It's an incredible, incredible tool that uh, God uh, allowed us to harness way back in 1999. I think there's 1.2 million websites will be signed on. There's over 1.5 billion now today. So we've uh, been around for the vast majority of the history of the internet, and uh, we have uh, we have really tried to do our best to uh, to uh, use this medium in an effective way. And the tens of millions have changed lives, 
two million souls we know of who have come to faith in Jesus, all our testimony to that. So if uh, God has blessed you through this ministry, please pray about helping me with a gift this month. Again, on my upper, on my up, in the up home page of the uh, life prayer homepage is a donation link. Click on it. Gives you our address in St. Petersburg as well as a link to our credit card portal if that's more convenient. All right, let's have a word of prayer and get started. We got a lot of a lot of ground to cover tonight. Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for this wonderful opportunity once again to gather in your name. And as you promise in the word, with you in our midst. Thank you for my friends who have joined me tonight. I lift them up and pray for their families. I pray, God, that every need be met for your glory. I'm grateful for this day that you've blessed us with. Thank you for the blessings that you've showered upon us throughout the day, many of which, Lord, we just take for granted. Help us not to do that. We need to uh, acknowledge and be thankful for every blessing. And now, Lord, we commit this hour to you. We just ask that you open our hearts and minds, show us what we need to hear and know tonight. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise God. All right, let's get started. All right, let me just get this out of the way. I got to tell you something, this is painful. But because my job, I sat down and watched this fake debate between Ron DeSantis and Gavin Newsom tonight, hosted by Sean Hannity. <laughs> let me just look. look, look. I, I'm not going to spend any time on this because it doesn't require it doesn't require any time. It was just to be blunt with you, kind of a waste of time. It was just two governors yelling at each other. Uh, I will tell you who won the debate tonight, very without any hesitation. That's Donald Trump, because as I have told you for two years now. I still believe in the end Gavin Newsom's going to be the Democratic nominee. Now, because of the way the calendar falls and getting on ballots in states and all that, that can't happen until the uh, convention in Chicago in August. Um, that's where all this has got to happen. Because if Joe Biden dropped out now, then you'd have an actual primary, and that's too messy. You can have 100 people running. The Democrat Party is going to go for that. Uh, I still believe Biden will bow out for health reasons at the convention, and they will quickly use their rules that they have in place to basically uh, christen Gavin Newsom as the nominee. So that was one of the main reasons I watched tonight. He's slippery. He's slick. The word that kept coming in my head, though, every time he opened his mouth was snake. You know, got the, you know, he's just a slick guy. He's got a slick tongue. He never answers questions, lies, but he lies with ferocity, okay? He, he puts oomph into his lies. Uh, but uh, watching those two debates tonight, it was just clear that the winner of the debate was Donald Trump. I mean, he, he, it's it's it, it's an adult among among boys. Okay, it's like it's like when you watch the the stupid Republican debates. I think they got another one next week or something. I mean, I, why do they keep doing this? It's it's insane. Trump just keeps every new poll comes out. He's winning by more and more and more. Um, and when you watch those when you watch those debates, it's, 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 it's Trump's in just another league. And we need somebody in another league right now. Here's what it is. Trump's not a politician. 
course, that's one reason they want him gone. They want a traditional politician, a, a, a paid-for Ron DeSantis, a paid-for neocon Nikki, a paid-for Gavin Newsom. That's what they want. They just want things back to status quo. So, and I can tell you one thing, though. It was clear tonight why Ron DeSantis has been dropping like a rock. I mean, he's even behind Nikki now. And that was even with Hannity trying to help him along the way. Uh, I know Hannity was trying to be, you know, fair and down the middle, but it was clear he was throwing lifelines every chance he got to try to help DeSantis. Anyway, enough about that. Uh, DeSantis is never going to be president. He's never going to be anything when his governorship is up in Florida. I'm, I'm just telling you. Um, he has destroyed his political career. But that's what happens when you get wooed by these billionaires. I mean, they leave human uh, lives in, the, in their wake. That's how these billionaires make money. People, people die in other countries. People's lives are destroyed. But at the end of the day, they're still billionaires. Ron bought into the dream and it didn't work out. Now Nikki's buying the dream, and it's not going to work out. Because you know what? And we're going to get into this a little bit, because this is something very important to understand. The media still can't figure this out. They still can't figure out, with all the indictments and everything, how is Trump continuing not to just hold this big lead, but continue to rise? When most of political Washington hates him. Well, that's the point. They do hate him, because he's not part of the team. But Trump has the one thing that political Washington can't buy with any amount of money. The people, the people are behind Trump. It's like the success of Rush Limbaugh. They, they couldn't get, they couldn't, they tried, they tried to take Rush out, I mean, a hundred times a hundred, okay? They could not take him out. You know why? Because he had the people. And that's what these other politicians don't have. They've just got the R or the D after their name. All right, so that's enough on that. Uh, Fauci, he's going to be sitting for a two-day deposition on January 8th. We'll see if he shows up. Um, I expect him to take the fifth because this will be the beginning of the prosecution of Fauci because they have got so much damning evidence on this guy now. And uh, I don't know how his lawyer is going to let him go into this deposition and answer a lot of these questions. It's the same thing with Hunter Biden. Listen, you're hearing this this red herring that, well, Hunter Biden, he offered to testify in public. It doesn't work that way. And he doesn't get to set the rules. And the Democrats never did that. See, here, here's the game that Washington plays. You put them in a behind-the-door deposition. It's not the congressman asking the questions. It's the staff attorneys. And it's a grilling session. They had Don Jr. behind those doors for over 50 hours in total time. 50 hours just being grilled by attorneys. Then what happens is if they get, the, the, if they get enough information they want, then they put you on TV. That's where you get these stupid hearings where each side gets five minutes and it goes back and forth. You got AOC asking stupid questions and you got somebody on the other side asking stupid questions. 
That's what they want because they want to be able to dodge the whole thing. Well, Fauci's behind the doors. Hunter's going to be behind the doors. Well, maybe he won't because if he doesn't show up, they're going to have to file contempt charges, but that's got to go through the DOJ. Is Merrick Garland's DOJ really going to hold Hunter Biden contempt? Anyway, so I just wanted to throw that in there because I've had some emails. People ask me, well, he offered to testify in public. Why wouldn't we want to do it? No, 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 you don't do that. You let the lawyers drill down because that's that. there's no light, there's no uh, you know, uh, audience or anything like that. It is a pure, if you've ever been in a deposition, you know what a deposition's like. It's you and your lawyer and the other side's lawyer. And they ask you questions for hours on end. So that's what that that's what that is. They had the annual Rockefeller Christmas tree lighting last night uh, on Wednesday night, and of course that's an annual tradition. Well, that annual tradition was disrupted, really ruined by Hamas protesters. It was a nightmare. You know, families go down to Rockefeller uh, Center and watch the lighting of the tree. They got the skating rink there. And, you know, they walk down Fifth Avenue and all the store windows are full of Christmas displays. Turned out to be a nightmare. I still haven't been able to get a number of how many people ended up in jail. My guess is zero. Or if they did put some people in jail, they just flipped them out. And don't don't forget, it was uh, last Thursday, a week ago, that you had some Hamas protesters disrupted the Macy's parade for 10, 15 minutes. Uh, they're, they're very coordinated. They're very well financed. These are not a bunch of just, you know, protesters that love Hamas, love the, the Palestinian people. Now, this, this is very organized, and it's going to continue. Representative Clay Higgins out of Louisiana. He, in an interview last night, he was talking about January 6th, and he dropped the bomb that there was well over 200 government assets in and out of the Capitol, most dressed dressed up as Trump supporters. Now, government assets doesn't just mean FBI, you know, confidential human sources, okay? Because they could be assets of the CIA. They could be the asset of military intelligence. They could be the assets of Homeland Security. Okay? You got a whole... That's why uh, you have uh, these different people that they have questioned about being, you know, FBI informants. Well, some of these people can say, no, I'm not an FBI informant. And they're telling the truth because they're a military intelligence informant. See, see what I'm saying? They have to really drill down these people. But Clay Higgins has stated there was well over 200 government-affiliated human assets in and out of the Capitol on January 6th. Listen, this, this January 6th scam, like Russia was too big of a scam not to fall apart at some point. Now, they're getting all the mileage they want out of it. 
It's accomplished what they wanted to accomplish. And like I said last night, I just pray that if God lets Trump back in office, that there's going to be some real uh, investigations and people held accountable for these kind of acts. This can't continue, folks. They keep saying how Trump damages our norms. He damages our institutions. The Biden administration, under the direction of Barack Hussein Obama, has done more to damage democracy in the last three years than in the whole 240-some years of our country's history. The, the things that they've pulled. And we're going to get into some of that a little bit later, so just hang on with me. Um, speaking of corruption, in D.C. last night, Judge Beryl Howe, who's a, who's a woman, Obama appointee, she was given some kind of an award from a, a woman's legal group. They also gave an award that night to uh, Assistant Attorney General Lisa Monaco. People watch the show, you know that name. She's the number two, and she's the one that actually runs the DOJ. She is an evil, evil woman. She and Victoria Newland, who's the number two at the State Department, who runs the State Department. These are Obama's two women that pretty much run most of the government. Victoria Newland and State and Lisa Monaco AG. These are evil, nasty, vile women. Uh, she got some kind of award too. She's the one that's pushed. She's overseeing all of the Trump operations. All of them. Everything that's happened to Trump legally, whether it's state or federal, Lisa Monaco's the point person. She's the point person for all the January 6th prosecutions. She is a vile, vile human being. And the MC of this event was none other than former Attorney General Loretta Lynch. You know Loretta Lynch. She happened to have a visitor on her plane in the private tarmac at Phoenix Airport. Oh, it happened to be Bill Clinton. At the time, they were deciding what to do with Hillary, and they talked about golf and grandchildren, and a week later, Hillary's off the hook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That Loretta Lynch. You know, D.C. is like Hollywood in the sense that they always have these award programs and stuff where they basically give each other awards and pat each other on the back and they all, you know, have a great evening. Oh, by the way, Bill Howe, who oversaw a lot of the January 6th prosecutions, she was involved in the uh, uh, grand jury that Jack Smith put together for the January 6th stuff, hates Donald Trump. She sat there last night at this, at this event. I'm sure Trump people are getting video and audio of this event because she probably went on a 15-minute screed about the vile human being known as Donald Trump. And she's supposed to be a federal judge who's adjudicating lots of things concerning Donald Trump. This is, they don't even hide it. They don't even hide it. MSNBC has a has, has a has a radical Muslim on the air, or did have. Well, they got a few of them: Ali Belchi, Amin Oyedin. But the worst of all was this guy named Mehdi Hansen. He was on the weekends. They got rid of him today. Now, Mehdi Hansen started his career in uh, as a radical 
Muslim advocate in London. Okay, where you've got lots of it's a hotbed for radical Muslim uh, Muslims. London's a hotbed for radical Muslims. Mehdi Hansen was in that world. Then he went into journalism. He was a writer for the Huffington Post, which is, of course, uber, uber left. Um, then he went to Al Jazeera, the pro-Muslim uh, network that is in most countries. And then he ended up at MSNBC. And ever since October 7th, he has been vehement in his anti-Israel commentary, his pro-Hamas Palestinian commentary. It was vile to watch. And I got to be honest with you, I never thought I'd see the day, but it was even too vile for MSNBC. And they got rid of him today. Of course, the Muslim community is losing their mind. And I'm, I, I, let, let me just say this. Once you're too vile for MSNBC, that's bad. Because, I mean, by any journalistic standard, that crazy uh, race, racist Joanne Reed at night, she should be gone. You got that wackadoodle uh, wine mom in the afternoon that used to be a press secretary for George Bush, Nicole Wallace. I mean, she's a total lunatic. And then they start the day off with the two serial, serial adulterers, Joe and Mika. Of course, you got Larry O'Donnell at night. He used to be a Senate staffer. And these are just radical people. But somehow, of course, the, they're, the, the brain of the whole MSNBC operation, of course, is Rachel Maddow, who spent three years lying about Russia, spent years lying about the impeachments, spent years years now lying about January 6th. She's our chief propagandist. But, yeah, Mehdi Hansen was even too much for uh, MSNBC. Unbelievable. Henry Kissinger died yesterday, 100 years old. For people who are old enough and followed politics back in the you know, 60s and 70s, he, of course, played a huge role. A major, he, he was a key figure in bringing China, you know, out of the, you know, ancient age into the modern age. You can thank Henry Kissinger for modern-day China. Um, Henry Kissinger was probably the first globalist, the, true, uh, the first true globalist. That's how he viewed the world. Matter of fact, he was the mentor of, guess who? Klaus Schwab, World Economic Forum. Yep, Kissinger was Klaus Schwab's mentor. That gives you an idea of where Kissinger was. And Kissinger was a warmonger like none other. Now, he served in Republican administrations, but he, he was a bad man. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm, I, I know there's some good he did. I mean, he was, a, he was Secretary of State under uh, Nixon. He was a National Security Advisor. He's had, all, he's had all kind of 
um, positions to mentor presidents. He was a big influence on George W. Bush. What a shock, right? Um, so he was on the Republican side of the aisle, but he was a ne- he was a neocon before they had even had that word. He was the first real globalist. He's largely responsible for bringing China into the modern age. And uh, as I said, he was a mentor to Klaus Schwab. Oh, no. And, and, and listen, I know Kissinger. He born in Germany in the 20s, escaped Nazi Germany. It's a, you know, it's a good story. But as far as his contribution to world history, uh, in totality, he was a bad man. Sorry. Even though he was on the Republican side of the ledger, he was not a good guy. Uh, there's reports leaking out, and here we go, here we go. And the only reason I mention this is because I've been trying to give you the heads up of where this person's heading. Uh, reports are leaking out that Zelensky, you know that, warrior for Ukraine, uh, actually owns two yachts that were purchased through a broker that just happens to be somebody he's been in business with over many years. One yacht is worth $25 million. The other yacht's worth $50 million. I guess one yacht just wasn't good enough for Zelensky. He had to have two yachts. And of course, just so you, it doesn't get lost on you, these two yachts for $75 million were bought with your harder money. I don't think he's going to invite you for a ride anytime. Um... As much as I think he would love to stay to be part of that multi-trillion dollar grift, I got if I had to, if I had to bet a few hot dogs right now, I think Zelensky's going to bolt pretty soon. Because don't forget, his worth, his position of power is was totally based on his ability to suck billions out of the world. Those billions are dried up. Matter of fact, I'll be shocked if he gets any more money from the United States and Europe is. Sh- pretty much shutting down. And the U.S. is making noise. Hey, it's time to shut this whole thing down. Now, now here's the problem for Zelensky. These dictators, which is what he is, are only as good as the military that's behind them. He's at war with the head of his military. That's not a good sign. Because at the end of the day, the military has lots of men and lots of rifles and lots of bullets. Zelensky doesn't. That's why when these coups happen in these third world countries, I, I hate him saying that anymore because we're as third world as anybody right now. But anyway, they're always military coups, right? The, the leader takes off to a country where he can seek safe haven because once the military turns on you, you're done. You're done. So... Uh, I believe at the end of the day, matter of fact, I wouldn't be surprised in the next 60, 90 days, Zelensky's living in the south of France or wherever else he can get safe haven. Um, All right, let's see, where do I want to go here? Oh, we now have a 2018 document from a private bank 
that was doing business with Hunter Biden. And this was a document from one of the bank examiners. And it was very detailed about foreign wires coming in from China, multiple wires. And they were going into these companies that didn't really have any business activity. And then they were being moved into other country companies, okay? I mean, it was classic money laundering. Now, these suspicious activity reports that these banks are required to fill out, anytime they see suspicious activity, they fill these out and they file them with the Department of Treasury. Now, until the Biden administration, Congress people could just go to the Department of Treasury and get copies of these any suspicious activity reports they wanted, you know, if they were involved in a situation where those reports were uh, meaningful documents, they just go there, copy them, and, you know, if they had a copy in their office, and they could, you know, do their work. When Biden took office, the first thing the Department of Treasury did is shut down any access to suspicious activity reports. Shut it down. Matter of fact, it took Congress 90 days before they were able to force the Department of Treasury to see those activity reports. And even then, they couldn't take copies, and they had to look at them in a, in a, in a, in a special room. And as I mentioned before on this issue, you're not going to get a suspicious activity report unless you're doing business internationally, okay? All right? you're just not going to get these type of reports unless you're doing business internationally. You could generate some look, but mainly what these are, they're looking for international crime syndicates, uh, international terror organizations, uh, arms dealer, like a guy like that Victor Boot guy, okay? But even these type of organizations, if you are doing some illegal stuff, if you rack up two or three suspicious activity reports, I mean, you are really up to no good. And that's, that's, that's a lot. The Bidens had 150. 150. And again, don't forget, these are made by the banks because the banks have a fiduciary responsibility and a, uh, a responsibility to the government to report any kind of suspicious activity. Well, this email that has now been made public from 2018 from this one bank examiner, again, talked about these wires from China going into these LLC companies that had no business activity, and then they were being moved out of that account into other accounts. I mean, it was classic money laundering. So they, they uh, you know, filled out their suspicious activity reports. And, of course... As we know, the Treasury Department just covered up these things. Now, as I mentioned, the, the Congress, the uh, Commerce people, they've been able to see all these activity reports now, which is how they've been able to gather the various banks that Biden was using to launder money through. Uh, some of these activity reports, according to uh, Nancy Mace, Congresswoman for South Carolina, uh, had to do with... Uh, human trafficking, sex trafficking. These were hookers that Hunter was ordering from Eastern Europe and stuff. 
These people are just out of their minds. And of course, the media wants you to think, oh, there's nothing going on here. Everything's fine. Everything's great. Um, there's a UN climate conference underway. It's in Dubai, of all places. Now, the, client, the goal of the climate conference, these climate conferences, is to basically do away with fossil fuels, right? I find it ironic that the UN climate conference is being held in Dubai, you know, in the Middle East, where basically a good chunk of the world's oil and gas exists, okay? I mean, the irony is just unbelievable. Joe was supposed to go, but Joe could, Joe could make it. So he sent John Kerry and Kamala Harris as our representatives. And don't forget, this whole climate thing is about one thing. Redistrib redistributing wealth. Redistributing money. Okay? Taking it out of the oil, gas industry. But see, here's the problem. This whole green energy climate deal, it's a scam. And everybody knows it. That's why these Arab countries don't get involved in this nonsense. Oh, they may give lip service, but they're pumping out millions of barrels of oil every day. China and India, they give a little lip service to it, but they're, 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 they're opening... Uh, 20, 30, 40 new coal plants every month. They're the biggest polluters on the planet. And to be honest with you, the whole green energy climate scam is, you know, they want to say, you know, people follow Trump, it's like a cult. No, this is a cult. Because a cult is based on lies and false narratives. And if you took 10 minutes, it's easy to see this whole renewable energy, green energy, the whole thing. It's, it's an absolute scam. Listen, to get the amount of rare earth minerals that they would need to power the planet, which is what they claim they want to do. Number one, there's not remotely enough of those rare earth minerals to even power 10% of the planet. In other words, if you took all the way earth, earth minerals that existed, you might be able to cover 10% of the planet's energy. Okay? And in the meantime, to get all those rare earth minerals, how are you going to destroy the planet? Of course, China's doing okay right now because they've got slave labor in these, in these mines. And again... If you took, if you built all the wind farms, all the solar uh, uh, farms that you possibly could, you're, you're talking less than 10% of the energy needed. I mean, it, it is amazing that these countries are, but, but see, here's the thing. If you look at where all these green energy dollars are going for places in you know for in places like the United States, eh? remember Solyndra back during the Obama days? Solyndra 
That's where all that money is going. It's basically being shifted, you know, into basically the pockets of Democratic donors. It's like the it's like the whole electric car deal. If these if if this were if there's a market for that, you would need to pay these companies millions and millions in subsidies. The market would, you know, meet the need. And like I told you last night, you got car dealers all over this country that are living because they were forced by their, you know, the the uh, car companies that they have dealership affiliations with to take so many electric cars. There's a guy on in uh, Metropolitan uh, Maryland, D.C., that whole circuit there, Virginia, Maryland, one of the big companies here. Guy said he's got like a million dollars worth of electric vehicles. He hadn't sold one in a month. They're not practical. And the more people learn about them, the less they want. Yet you've got States like New Jersey that have this mandate in 2035, they will no longer sell any cars but electric cars. Think about this for a second. Why are they practical? Rural America, where, where are you going to charge it at? What if you live in the city and you live like in uh, an apartment complex, you know, with, you know, two, three hundred apartments or whatever? And, and and here's the other thing, too, that we've talked about, as impractical as these things are. It's, you know, when you go to the gas station, unless you get one of those real slow pumps, have you ever had one of those pumps where you put the nozzle in, you pull the, you know, you pull the trigger, and man, that thing's just going so slow. Now, some of them rip along pretty good, but every now and then you get one of those pumps, man, they're just slow and slow and slow. But even you get a slow one, might take you three or four minutes, but three or four minutes, you're full and you're ready to go and you're good to go, right? These electric vehicles, it could take anywhere from 20 minutes to an hour to charge one of these things. Well, you go into work and you stop by and you have to spend an hour charging your car? Anyway, we, we've talked to them about all right, let's talk about Hamas. Hamas took accountability this morning, took credit for, actually, an attack in Jerusalem where two Hamas gunmen killed three Israelis waiting for a bus. But the ceasefire is still on. They released... A few more Israelis today. Now, supposedly there's 150 hostages still left. Um, they're playing games. I've been telling you this for a week now. They're playing games with the hostages. They're stalling. Because they know once once Israel gets starts up again, they're gonna they're gonna get they're gonna get killed. In the meantime, they're trying to figure things out, regroup, figure out plans, right? And the pressure, every, as every day goes by, and they release a few, five, four, six, seven more hostages, the pressure continues to build on Israel to just, let's just have a permanent ceasefire. Now, that's being led by the United States, too, just so you know. Just so you know. 
BB says not a chance, and I believe him. But they're playing this game and the world pressure. Every day they aren't attacking Hamas, the world pressure continues to grow. Now, here's my point. Because I think they've released no Americans other than that one little girl, three-year-old little girl that was related to the Biden donor. <laughs> how, how interesting is that, right? And the, one of the Biden donors actually bought some of Hunter's art. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. Uh, but no Americans other than her. And no Israeli men. Now, my guess is they probably killed all the Israeli men. That's my guess. We'll find out pretty soon, I think. Because they, they, they're about done with women and children. And there's still technically 150 hostages left. If I was Bibi, I would tell the Hamas negotiators in Qatar, uh, you've got 24 hours to let the Red Cross in to independently inspect the remaining 150 hostages or how many they are and how many are still alive. Because I think once they I think once they get done with the women and children, they're getting near the end of the women and children. I think at that point, I think that's when you're gonna find out that they probably killed most of these Israeli men. I I, I pray I'm wrong, but I don't believe I am. Um, Seth Rich. Boy, I, I can't spend a lot of time on this for people that have been watching the program. You know that name. He was the he was the young man that worked for the DNC. This is back in 2015, 2016, uh, 20, yeah, 20, 20, 2015. And he's the guy that was a Bernie bro. And by working at the DNC, he had a first front row seat to see how they were dissing Bernie, stacking the deck against Bernie so they could put Hillary in as the nominee. Because don't forget, Hillary and Bernie were kind of neck and neck for a while. But they didn't want Bernie. Bernie's too crazy. They want Hillary. It's her turn. So they stacked the deck. And Seth Rich saw that. And he didn't like it. And he worked in the IT department at the DNC. It is certain that Seth Rich is how WikiLeaks got those emails from the DNC. Now, just like the January 6th narrative has been critical and had to be protected at all costs because that was the total basis for going after Trump, going after half the country, right? That's why they've had to protect that narrative. Even though it's going to fall apart eventually, they've got to protect it as well as possible because that is the only reason that they've been able to do what they've done to Donald Trump and to Trump supporters, okay? In a like manner, the critical narrative from the whole Russiagate was that it was Russia that hacked the DNC computers and gave those emails to WikiLeaks. That's, that was the story they put out. It never made sense. 
It wasn't true, yet, yet that narrative was critical because if that didn't happen, the whole Russia story fell apart. Well, the rest of the Russia uh, stories already fell apart, okay? We now know the whole thing was a total hoax. Yet that narrative still stands. There have been attempts to get the laptops from Seth Rich that the FBI has been holding for eight years now through FOIA requests and all kinds of things. The FBI has fought, fought, fought not to release those things. A, ju a federal judge in Texas said yesterday that they must release these laptops to a group that's investigating Seth Rich uh, killing. Don't forget, he, right after the... Uh, Right after those uh, emails were leaked, he was walking home one night after, after uh, about 1 o'clock. He lives in D.C., walking home from a bar, and he got robbed, and they killed him. The only problem was the robbers didn't take anything. They just killed him. Now, his family, because it was very suspicious, Hannity got on the air, started talking about it. And the Seth Rich family, I think they live in Texas, they immediately said they're going to sue Fox, leave us alone, don't talk about our son, blah, blah, blah. Somebody got to them, I'm just telling you, okay? Somebody got to them. But the critical... Now, the only person alive that knows that those emails didn't come from Russia, they came from Seth Rich, is Julian Assange. Don't forget, he was holed up in that Ecuadorian embassy in London for years. Yet, all of a sudden, they raided that place, the London police raided that place, and put him in prison. You know when that happened? That happened when the Mueller report came out because, again, the whole foundation of the whole Russia scam, official... Uh, the official report was it all started with the DNC being hacked by Russian hackers. And of course, that was a lie. Julian Assange knows it's a lie. Well, they're coming after Julian Assange for espionage, for putting uh, U.S. secrets on WikiLeaks. And he, he had gotten uh, safe haven in the Ecuadorian embassy. That's why he couldn't. He didn't leave that at embassy for like what four years because if he stepped out of that, he'd be arrested. Well, they just one day went in and bagged him, put him in the dungeon in some London prison. Now they're trying to extradite back to the U.S. to make him stand trial. You know the person that spent his entire time as CIA director doing one thing, making sure Julian Assange could not talk. Ready for this name? I know some of, some of you are going to be disappointed. Mike Pompeo. Yep, Mike Pompeo. Mike Pompeo turns out wasn't a good guy, and and, and I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna get into that in a second. But now I don't have a lot of hope that that laptop's going to have anything worthwhile on it. I think if they get the laptop, all the files are going to be corrupted. They're not going to be able to get anything off that laptop. That's my personal opinion. I pray I'm wrong, but I'm telling you, they're not going to give that laptop to some people that can then just, 
you know, just, I mean, finally blow the final hole into the whole Russia scam. All right? Now, having said that, the federal speech censorship operation went in full op went in full operation after Trump's surprise victory in 2016. They started working immediately on this censorship operation to make sure that in the future they had total control of what was going out on social media, which was becoming the main uh, vehicle for getting information out to people so they could then control information and make could Trump use social media very effectively in the 2016 election. And they decided to make sure, and when I say they, I'm talking about the inner, the administrative state, the deep state, they decided that they were going to put a federal censorship program together to make sure that in the future they never lost control of a narrative again. Now, you've got to understand something, and this gets back to something I said earlier in the program. When Trump got to D.C., he was all alone. He was all alone. All Trump had was 80 million-some citizens that supported him. But as far as D.C., he was all alone. He had nobody. He had, he had maybe a couple congressmen, Maybe a senator, maybe a few people here and there, but as far as the federal government goes, he was all alone. They didn't want nothing to do with him. They didn't want nothing to do with his policies. And they certainly weren't going to let him interfere in their running the country. Okay? That's very important to understand. For four years, as we know, the bulk of the media in this country, all the corporate media, attacked him and lambasted him 24-7. Okay? We know that. The FBI, the DOJ, the CIA, the Mueller investigation, the Department of Defense, Homeland Security, all these agencies, they had a problem because the guy that they tried to stop from being president, I mean, committed crimes to do it. The guy that they then were spying on while he was president and trying to destroy his presidency and take him out, they couldn't let Trump breathe because they were afraid of being found out. That's why a lot of us that watch this carefully, we kind of knew what was going on, but we, you could never prove it because all these agencies were covering things up. But for 20, but 24-7 for four years, basically the entire United States government was weaponized against Trump. It really is a testament to God, the few things he got done. It really is. It really is.
Don't forget, he had a Republican House and Senate, and they worked with him to get judges stood. That was good. The t- Trump tax break. But everything else he went to do, immigration, all the other stuff, all the globalists, hating, all the things to stop the globalists, they fought him every step of the way. Of course, he had the, the Democrats in the Senate and the House. They impeached him twice. I mean, he literally had the entire government against He was the president. He was the man the people voted to run the country, yet he was in crisis for the second he walked into D.C., and he was all alone for all intents and purposes. Everybody thought Mike Pimpale was this great guy. Mike Pimpale, see, here's the problem. All these guys that were in the government, Bill Barr, I mean, all of them, you know, all of them, even the, these people that were supposedly, you know, Trump guys, General Mattis, and all these other people. These were all creatures of Washington. They've all, they were all in the game. Trump was there to basically disrupt the game. Put the people back in charge. They didn't like that. They did not like that. And they couldn't have that. So, they came after him. And then, and and don't forget again, uh, most of this was just covering their butts. Because they committed so many crimes in what they were doing to try to stop him. And then they committed more crimes covering up the previous crimes. That's what I was saying last night. There are so many people in D.C. in positions of power today that should be in a prison right now. If they were a normal person, they would be in a prison right now. For a long time. And then when they were able to steal the 2020 election, then they had to make sure Trump could never get back in because they knew if he got back in, he knew how the game worked now. He knew how to work the system now. He would bring his own loyalists in now. See, before Trump was not a man of Washington, so he had to rely on people that were already in the D.C. establishment. Ex-Bush people, okay? Golly. You know, people that have been in the Washington world all their careers. And they were part of the Washington culture. And to be blunt with you, at that time, it was still kind of a uniparty game for the most part, even though there was dark forces, and specifically Barack Hussein Obama, that had a much bigger vision to get rid of the uniparty. See, that's what these stupid Republicans don't, don't understand. They think if they get rid of Trump, it goes back to saying, no, 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 I told you. It's no more longer R's and D's. It's globalists and nationalists. And these stupid Republicans are still fighting Trump to this day. Think that they just get rid of Trump, everything will go back the way it was. No, they don't understand. And like I said last night, it's disgusting how very few are speaking out against this, the horrible things that they're doing to Trump right now to try to stop him. Because trust me, if they retain power in 24, those people will be next. Because there is no more uniparty. There's no more, no more power share. Those days are over. This is all or nothing now. 
And these fools in the Republican Party don't understand. Now, the big Republic, the billionaire donor class, they're fine. Because they get along with Democrats just as well as anybody else. All they care about is their money. So they're fine. But a lot of these Republican politicians, their days are over. They'll never be in the majority again. They'll never have power again. They'll just be given a few scraps here and there, told to shut their mouth. Because if you don't shut your mouth, we'll trump you. That's going to be a new phrase. We will trump you. What's that mean, Bill? Oh, we will come at you with the full force of federal government. We will charge you with things that you you didn't even know you did. And we'll say you did. And because Donald Trump is a very unique human being, he's been able to fight these wolves off. Most people couldn't fight these wolves off. Ron DeSantis, they would eat Ron DeSantis and spit him out at lunchtime. They'd eat him for breakfast and spit him out at lunchtime. Nikki Haley. She would just be a cog in the wheel. Military industrial complex, they'll love her, so she'll just be a cog in the wheel. Okay, I gotta go. Listen, tomorrow night, got a really important conversation to have with you on the Fourth Amendment. Illegal search and seizure. They are just trashing that. And we've got to talk about it. It's very important. And I want to talk to you about artificial, the artificial intelligence God. That is closer than anybody understands. So got to watch tomorrow night. All right, before we get out of here tonight, if you never made a decision for Jesus before we leave, I want to give you a chance to do that because this is the opportunity that uh, you can make a decision only you can make. Nobody can do it for you. And if you want to make that choice for Jesus tonight, pray with me. Dear Lord, tonight I come to you asking you to forgive me of my sins. Lord, I'm a sinner. I confess my sins and ask your forgiveness. I believe in my heart, confess with my mouth, Jesus is Lord. Use me tonight, Lord, for your glory. Now and forever, I am yours. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. My friend, if you pray and you meant it, the Bible says you're saved. Not because of a few words, because of your faith in God's grace. Got a book I'll send you, won't cost you anything. Drop me an email, bkellerliveprayer.com. I'll get it out to you. If you need prayer for anything, don't hesitate to email me, bkellerliveprayer.com. All right, love and care about you. Have a great night tonight. Lord willing, back here tomorrow night, 11 o'clock, to close out the week.